we're back for another one y'all i appreciate all the support from the last episode it was very relatable and to hear feedback from a lot of other parents and how they deal with their kids or even how you know they experience different things growing up it was pretty special and i felt like we were all connected on that topic so thanks for the support continue to like subscribe and all that good stuff and uh, thanks for all the feedback with this episode you know i brought in a, a special guy a dear friend to me He's played baseball for forever, five-time MLB All-Star, four-time Gold Glove winner, Silver Slugger winner, and the host of the Heckle D's podcast. And not only that, but he's a certified foodie. Y'all welcome my boy Adam Jones to the show. What's happening from Japan? <laughs> or, or we say good evening out here, konbanwa. That's crazy, or, man. <laughs> We're over here talking. It's early in the morning here. My man's over there, already tucked the... Tuck the kids in bed and getting ready to get started. It's crazy how technology works, and I appreciate you giving your time, man, to, to kick it with me on the show. Hey, anytime, brother. Anything you need, you already know. I'm, I'm there for you, brother. I'm on my second glass of apple juice, so we ready to roll. <laughs> man, how's everything going over there in Japan? Hey, Japan is good. Japan is good. It's, it's obviously different than the States. Um, you know, driving on the other side of the road, other side of the vehicle. Uh, I can't understand a sign to save my life, but at the same time, it's it it, it takes you back. It's a, it's a learning experience. You know what I mean? It, I feel like a rookie all over again, and I've asked my teammates to you know treat me like that, minus the hazing because I ain't going for the hazing. But at the same time, like you know, it's it, it's it's taking me out of my spoiled spoiled regiment. You know what I mean? And playing major league baseball for thirteen years, I've been spoiled, especially the last eight nine years of just like. You know, I can do what I want. I, you know, my regimen is my regimen. Mm. You know, but here it's it's like you know what I'm, I want to I want to follow follow they plan opposed to just do what I want. And it's refreshing and humbling to uh, to be a part of this league right now. I about say, that says a lot about you, man. Just being willing to accept a completely different role and lifestyle, and you make a big move from over here in the states to Japan, and then all of a sudden, boom, a pandemic hits and. We're all dealing with the coronavirus. So what type of restrictions or things are y'all dealing with over there? Um, well, we're right now we're under a current state of emergency throughout uh, May. But from what I'm hearing, like they can't you know, necessarily enforce it in terms of fines or, or tickets. But uh, it's just a highly recommended stay at home policy. And, you know, most people out here, they, they've listened to the government and I get it. You know, not everybody wants to listen to what the government says because not every, the government doesn't always have your best interest in every single thing. But mm-hmm. for the majority out here, they uh, they listen to their governments. Obviously, you know, you always think that, you know, you're big, strong and healthy and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, big, strong, healthy people have suffered from this, too. As you see, Von Miller, who's one of the biggest, strongest, healthiest human beings Crazy, that you've right? had to try to run a slant against. Have uh, have ever seen so it, it's not it's not uh, you know leaving out nobody. I just appreciate them taking uh, taking the precautions for us. So do they like since a lot of things are shut down and you're on a professional team? Like, do they help with food access or anything like that over there? With food? Yeah, like or do are the grocery stores and you know essential oh, well, places hey, still open? Hey, I don't even. It's crazy. I never had a Costco card until I came out here, which is like mind blowing. Like. Exactly. I never had a Costco card. I'm like, dang, why I haven't had a Costco card? But I got one over here and we make a trip about, you know, seven to 10 days because we can't go out to eat. So Audi's been just throwing down 
in the kitchen right now. And shout she out to Audie and the boys. Shout out to them. Audie gets a day off in a couple of days for Mother's Day, one of her four days that she gets off in a year. And uh, <laughs> and um, you know she's just been been throwing down, and we you know we've just been those are our big interactions with the grocery store. We have a grocery grocery store downstairs that we just go when we need the simple stuff. But, you know, when we need to get things for the boys, because I said, our, your kids eat just like mine, mm. just hungry asses. Completely different and, to this quarantine. Oh that stomach is oh bigger. Oh, my goodness. Oh, <laughs> my. For some reason, these kids want I want this, I want that. I need a snack every five minutes. I need a <laughs> juice. I'm like, damn, I can't keep up with y'all. But, uh, you know, you, you realize when you, like, right, this, especially this time, especially during the season, which is supposed to be happening, um, we're getting to spend a lot more time with each other. And, you know, as athletes, you year around times with your family are definitely sacrificed because you're trying to be the best you can at, at the craft that is afforded you the lifestyle. So right now, you know, I got three or four, three or four days a week that I'm at the park and, you know, three or four hours. But for the most part, um, I'm at home with the family and spending more, more and more time with them is, is, has been a absolute blessing. That's awesome, man. I for sure can relate to that, even though, I'm more so on the retired side now, but I understand just that time away. And it's been, it's weird. It's like an off season that you don't know when it's going to end, which is pretty crazy for everyone that's experiencing that. But I know for sure you're a certified foodie. You know, I oh, talked yeah. about that. You, if there's a new city, you know, you're quick to shoot a message. Like, no, you need to eat at this place. And it's normally the greasiest burger or something that's going to make you just feel really good about yourself. You and, feel me? <laughs> and, I had to ask you, man. How's the food in Japan? I seriously think when I go back to the states, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be vegan for for three months. Like, <laughs> like the, the the meat just doesn't just doesn't correlate. There's, I haven't seen a, a organic sign since I've been out here, so it just means that it's all a ploy. But like the the beef has just been ridiculous. The pork, the chicken. I mean, chickens are normal size. Chickens in the states look like turkeys out here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I played I, I played in Venezuela in 07, and I always remember, like, I used to get chicken, and the chickens were small. These chickens in the States as big as hell. The turkeys is swole. You know what I mean? So I'm like, uh, yeah, what the hell is going on around here? But the food, I, I, second to none. The, the ramen, I, I grew up on top ramen, as many people did. And many, many people like myself still eat every once in a while. But the top, the ramen out here is 100 times better and there's a ramen museum so i can't wait to go there and make my own ramen hopefully i can sell it back in the states <laughs> go get creative man if there's anyone that can do it it's you because i'm telling you when it comes to when it comes to food i still remember when i first got to baltimore we ate at some place yeah that's like they had like alligator meat and some is it abby's or something abby, in baltimore abby, abby burger baby. Abby, abby burger man that was that's my crazy. spot right there that that's that's one of my low-key spots I, I figured them out in 09 and i would just go in there and they just people were just very very kind to me and never bothered me and i just just like hey man let me get this i created a burger and i just maintained i ate seriously ate the same burger i've only one time since i've been in there we had a different burger than the one that's currently on the menu right now one time and I, I like I like what I like, you know what I mean. And it was simple, it was delicious. And you know, throw them throw them uh, elementary school tater tots and cheese on the side, and like, hey, you got it. You got a good burger right there. That's crazy, man. But speaking of Baltimore, do you miss Baltimore at all? 
I miss my people. I miss my friends. I mean, when it comes to the sporting world, you know, sometimes you just have to let go. And, you know, I think people, fans sometimes don't understand that from the athlete's perspective, which, you know, they're not supposed to. But, you know, when the organization lets you go and their decision is made that we're not going to bring you back, I think it's good for the athlete to just detach yourself. Because as athletes, you never want to have the, the notion of, oh, man, I could have, I would have, I should have. It's, it's said and done. It's already written. So with me, you know, me being from California, I was just like, hey, they, they've made it clear they don't want me back. And I'm like, OK, well, hey, you don't want me back. All the work that I've done there, just they could give two shits about. And I'm like, OK, you know, let me uh, let me move on personally. Let me not um, hold on to uh, what was. And to that, I miss my family. I miss my friends that 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 uh, I made there. I made I mean, we met there. And like I said, you from V.A., but you coming up there, we both have met some of the most incredible people that are still factors in our life to this day. Absolutely. Friends, you know, and some friends we call family, business partners, and and so and so and such and such. But at the same time, as a as a sports fan, as an athlete, you know, and a sports fan, you just sometimes have to just be like, hey, when they don't want you no more, you just have to sometimes detach yourself and and uh, and move on. It's business. There's always casualties. Yeah, you for sure have a great understanding of it, which a lot of us athletes struggle with. I mean, that's kind of what helped me in Baltimore because I know we probably shared similar feelings. You know, when I realized that when I was a free agent, you know, I didn't have a contract offer from the Ravens. And I'm just like, dang, like, these four years and, you know, I thought we were family. Like, y'all just go, <laughs> okay, we just, we're going to go like this? But like, I don't have it. People, a single offer? That. Like, nothing? People, like, <laughs> people, don't, people do not understand that facet of it. They just think that, you know, you're going to be here for the rest of your career. They just think that, you know, they think what they want because obviously they're emotional and they think of fandom, you know, in the, in the ways of fandom is, you know, I want, I want, I like this player. I would like him to stay with my team. I like the culture that he brings. I like the positivity that he brings. But the fans don't write the checks in that instance. They're not mm -hmm. the general manager or the president, so yeah. or the owner. So, you know, when when business, you know, takes his heed, you just sometimes have to take the high road. And you know, you might not agree with it, but you have to just, as an athlete, understand this is what it is, and you know, you just move on. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> it, for sure, it for sure helps to, to move on when you understand that. I mean, obviously I'm retired and I'm back in Maryland now. So, I mean, the Ravens, just like I never left, you know, in terms of the fan support, the fan love, the organization support, the team love. So, yeah, you won a Super Bowl yeah, for them. That's you why. Know, it, it, it helps. Yeah, you, you win a <laughs> Super Bowl. You win a Super Bowl. You're you going to be legendary forever. Yeah, forever. You're going to be legendary, especially in a city like Baltimore, which the pride is – through the roof, you know, and I wish I want to, I wish I was able to win a, a World Series. 14 was our best year. We asked, that was crazy. Uh, owner, uh, we asked ownership for one more piece. They got us, a, they got, you know, one more piece. They get, they were able to get us Andrew Miller, who just solidified our bullpen, but we asked him for just one more piece as a starter. We were unable to get it. Uh, Manny got hurt. Weeders got hurt. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, CD had a, had a suspension at the time. And you know we were just down. We were just down a few men, but hey, you know it is what it is. Sports is always you're always gonna be down a few men, and that I think that was our best shot at it. And we were we we were unable to do it, but same time we were able to bring twelve through I think sixteen, just very good baseball. And I think fans really really appreciate 
myself, Machado, Hardy, CD, Marcakis, uh, Weeders, Scope. Um, we had McLeod, Deaza, Britton. It, we just had a it was crazy man. Yeah, we had a we had a really good core. And obviously, who doesn't want to extend your core? But at the same time, business, business. stepped in and uh, stripped us away from you know did that that core. And you know we we try to make the best of it as any team would do. Like you can say, if you take away this guy, hey, the team has still got a chance to go out there and win because you got an opportunity to play. So. We just uh, we just manned up, and we had a great leader in Buck to where you know he held us accountable, and uh, we just went out there and played our the, our asses off, pure and simple, and we just fell short. Which obviously uh, it'd be like that sometimes, you know, as, man. It'd be like that. <laughs> in, in sports. And out of the thirty teams, there's only going to be one champ, man. Mm. There's only going to be one champ, and the one at the All Star break who gets the most help is going to be the one that uh, that's going to lead. Crazy, man. I for sure remember those, that time. Man, Baltimore was rocking. I mean, I remember hey, going rocking. to those games. It was like a football stadium, the way it was, and watching y'all. Yeah, for sure brought a lot of energy to the city, and I know the people appreciate that. And Greatly do. And they still hit me up to this day. We miss you in Baltimore. And I said that that that's extremely humbling because I gave my blood, sweat, and tears to that city. You know, 11 years, I grew up there. I became, you know, was a young man that became a man that became a husband that became a father to husband and you know baltimore i grew up there it's, it's always going to hold a, a special part to me um, but at the same time uh, i'm never going to forget business side of it and people hold grudges athlete hold, athletes hold grudges too i personally don't have one but at the same time i understand that you know since i'm still playing i'm trying to give all my energy to where i'm playing once I retire, then you know it, it, I can reflect on uh, on every stop that I was that I, that I was able to make. Uh, yeah, you had a dope career, bro, and I'm glad that I had the opportunity to to witness it up close. And you know, just your professionalism, the way you you cared about the people that were around you. You know, it was visible, it was real, everyone could see it, man. And I wanted to talk to you about the responsibility of being an athlete. Because you know you have a very unique perspective on everything. Like you have a major Cali laid back vibe. For those of y'all who are listening who don't know Adam, you can tell that by his tone, his whole demeanor. He's a straight Cali dude, and mm-hmm. he's also socially conscious about really everything. You know whether you're talking about politics or just people, just relationships, whatever. You know you can have a great conversation with him about any and everything, which is something I've always loved. Um, but I want to ask you, you know, do you believe that athletes are considered role models? I do and I don't. I say I don't because your role model in most households should be your parent. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think your parents should be your role models. Like your, your mom and dad working hard, two jobs. I mean, should be your role model. Where I grew up, my community, our community, where, you know, majority of my friends, my peers, where I grew up. And athletes there is their role model. And it's just like, a, obviously, it doesn't matter, you know, race and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they always say, you know, this is my this is my hero. But then you talk to, you know, a lot of white folks that I know. My dad is my hero. My dad is my hero. My grandpa's my hero. A lot of athlete friends that I know. Tony, like Tony Gwynn. That's my hero. That's not saying nothing to my to my parents or anything, but it's like, that's my hero. You know, we look at, we, we want to look at the outside to see like, oh, because they're doing better or doing better than what we can expect or what we think. 
that they should be our heroes. You know, I've been called kids heroes. People have told, tw- tweeted at me, oh, you're my hero. And I'm like, am I really? Or just like you, <laughs> you like the way I play the game or you like the way I hustle, which is great. Admiration is always great. Um, but in the other sense, I say yes, because especially in this in this era, you know, of the te- the technology boom era, this is what they see. You know, you turn on Sports Center. If it's a baseball highlight, you're gonna see Trout. You're gonna see Harper. You're gonna see Machado. You're gonna see Betts. You're gonna see Kershaw. These are what you see on TV, and what you see on TV is probably gonna outweigh what you see at home. We have an obligation to be politically correct in certain things. Do we want to say things that other people say and talk shit the way other people do it? Of course, we want to do it. But can we? Because no, we're gonna be criticized. We're going to be, you know, oh, you can't say that. What do you mean I can't say that? This is my social media. What do you mean I can't say that? I can say whatever the hell I want to say. (laughs) But you can't because, oh, all my kids look up to you. you Congratulations, they look up to me. They should, they need, while they're looking up to me, they need to understand that I'm a real human also. I'm not just some athlete bot that your parent, that the parent has, you know, tried to construe them. The athlete to be is like, hey, I, I put my pants on the same way you do. I get frustrated when I strike out, or you get frustrated when the pad the pass either overthrown, you miss the pass. We all get frustrated, but but that's the oh man, you shouldn't slam your helmet, you shouldn't slam your bat, you shouldn't cuss on the stay on the field. But parents cuss and get frustrated for lesser stuff. Like <laughs> you know, what I mean, like this is this is my livelihood. This is your livelihood. Like, like so, it's to that I, I believe that we are. We, we we should be role models, you know, especially if we're trying to implement, we're trying to affect and, you know, bring up and bring up our communities, you know, because like, hey, me and you, we pro-black dudes. We love our community. We want to see African-Americans succeed. Does that mean that we don't want to see every other community succeed? No. We want everybody to succeed, but we specifically typed, we want to see our people can succeed. And I seen your tweet the other day of Tom Brady, about Tom Brady's. I know somebody tweeted you, does Tom Brady do all these political stances and all that? And you, your response was perfect. It's like, does Tom Brady have to deal with the shit that we got to deal with on a daily basis? Does his people have to deal with the shit we got to deal with? Yeah. Is, is white folks being hunted down and shot and shit like that? No. So why the hell should Tom Brady come out? We could, you don't need, the people don't need the support of, of, of that. But our community does. And that's why literally that tweet is what sparked like you in my mind. Like parents, adults do look up to you. Communities do look up to you. And there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it. And true to be told, like people can't handle that. The majority of society can't handle somebody. So they can't handle the pressure. They think just because you got money, you're happy. Hey, throughout the financial crisis, how many people that were very rich jumped out of buildings? It's crazy. A lot. Yeah, a lot. Divorce rates was the highest at that point. You know what I mean? It take it to be to be successful is tough and takes a lot of a lot of grit, a lot of sacrifice. Why do you do so much in the community? My biggest reason we is being is Cliff Levingston. He when I was a kid, he would come back to the Boys and Girls Club in San Diego and he would host a camp. And, you know, I'm six, seven years old, and my brother eight, my brother's 10, three years older than me, 10, just grilling them like, man, I seen you playing with Jordan, but do you, can you get Jordan here? Can you get Pippen to come to these camps? And my brother's just grilling them, but 
he was a guy who made it from San, Southeast San Diego and came back and gave and gave camps to the kids for free at the Boys and Girls Club. And me as a kid, I'm like, man, this is really cool. This is good. like he just won the NBA championship, and you know he played in the NBA. He's playing with Michael Jordan, who everybody is just like, oh, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. You know, played against Barkley. We're like, dang. This dude is like, he's just like we, we look at him as just a god. And for him to come back and do all the things that he did in San Diego, it's something that never left my mind. So when I'm 13, 14, 15, I'm like, oh, man, dude, Levinson came back. And me and my brothers, we still talk about that to this day. But then, at, you know, as I got, especially once I got into pro ball, um, the Mariners were huge on the community. So I just got called up at 20. And, you know, after the season, they called me up for, they called it a caravan and they went out in the community and did various speeches and various uh, activities with the fans within their, their market. And you got to know the people that support you, the people that watch you. And this was before the majority of social media. And so I like when I was there and I'm like, dang, this, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to do in the community. But they, you know, the organization was just so good at that. And then I got over to Baltimore. I just like, you know, let me just do it individually. Let me do let me do what I think I can do. Because once I got to Baltimore 08, I learned the city. Mm -hmm. I was out. I got to learn the city, learn the culture, learn that it's a majority African-American community. 09, I told Matt Death, who's still one of my good friends right now and still understands me better than anybody in that community. He knew exactly my mission. And me and him sat down, argued with each other, went back and forth. But he knew what I wanted to accomplish and he knew the uh, what I wanted to affect. So me and him formalized a plan. And that's what I said. We were able to build or revamp five boys and girls clubs. We were, we were able to create funds. And my biggest mission with my tailgate, I never asked any of my outside friends. And I got some friends that made a boatload of money. I've never asked them once for money to help. I said, look it. If Baltimore wants to rebuild Baltimore, Baltimore needs to invest in Baltimore. You invest in your community. So each tailgate that I had, it was Baltimore investing in Baltimore. And as it grew, you get to, you got to really see that people in the city wanted to see their city grow and be better. And that's what I respected the most once, once I started to really uh, implement myself in the city is that the people in Baltimore care about Baltimore more than they care about anything. Once I got that trust of the fans, I ran with it. And I'm seriously thinking, you know, I, I haven't really told many people, I'm seriously thinking about having uh, the seventh annual Stay Hungry Tailgate because, you know, Trey took it over last year, which was great. He, nobody's me. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Trey's amazing, and God bless him right now. He's battling through uh, stage three cancer. Um, so they, the biggest prayers for my dude. He's just, I mean, 27 years old in the limelight of his career. Uh, he's going to beat this, and he's going to come back stronger than ever. So you know, many prayers out to him. And, you know, I just think that um, what I can – what I, the, change that in, the change that I can affect there in Baltimore – it's just something that's second to none, and like I said, that's that they have adopted me as as uh, as a citizen, and they've supported me through and through. And you know, I, I think that you know, I don't necessarily owe nobody nothing, but I want to continue to do the good work and the good deeds that uh, I've done there amid the business of the side of sports. Yeah.
And I can agree with that, man. For me, and the reason why I give back and I'm so committed to the community is because when you know what it's like to be in their shoes and you know that sometimes all it takes is just knowing that someone believes in you or that someone wants what's best for you and knowing that these kids do look up to you as an athlete uh, means the world. You know, where I'm from, you know, there there weren't, you know, many pro football players coming back. You know, I think of Jamon Bushrod, you know, the few years older than me as being one of those guys. I was like, man, like, he can do it. I can do it. Just watching him go out there and and make something of himself, you know, earn a scholarship, get drafted by the Saints. You know, that was a big deal. And to know the responsibility of he didn't do a single thing. He didn't say a single word to me. His actions were everything by him coming back. And I knew that from my perspective being in Virginia, but then when you come to Baltimore and you see the challenges that exist here, um, you see the potential of this city. Um, you see there's two versions of Baltimore. You know, there's the harbor and then there's everything else, <laughs> right? It, like that's outside of the city and, and each person means the exact same to me. You know, I don't care, you know, if you're in the projects or, you know, you're a person down there, one of them pretty buildings, you know, everyone means the same to me, but I know that if I have the ability to bring people together, then, you know, I can to try to help everyone. And you realize that a lot of people do care about the city and want what's best for the city, but everyone can't seem to agree on what's the best way to help. And so I just try to play my part and do my part, which is something I saw you do as well. And that's what it's going to take. Everyone kind of playing their part. You know, there's not going to be one hero in this. It's going to take this village to try to change Baltimore for the better. And I'm looking forward to continuing that commitment, and I'm for, sh for sure we'll be there, you know, if you bring that tailgate back. And 100%. And, 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 like, to that is, as athletes, you know, the outside looking in always thinks that, you know, I need to – like, me as a black baseball player, I need to get more blacks playing baseball. Like, no, I don't. I want to get blacks, African-Americans, anybody who's willing to listen. I want to get them into college. I want to get them into careers. I want to get them into something that creates a pension opposed to just, oh, let me get this gig. I hate when people say that. Mm -hmm. If you play baseball, hey, look at one of my, one of my, we're on his Facebook page. When this dude, we've got 19,690 players that have ever played major league baseball. Think about that. 19,690 mm. ever and and since baseball started in uh, in uh, 1869, there's been roughly eight billion people who've lived. So you got just 19,690. So people think that oh, baseball, oh, it's easy to make sport. No, it's not. So my my biggest message to Baltimore was never oh, let's get. Let, I want to get more African Americans. I need y'all just to solely play baseball. No, my thing was. I want y'all to educate yourselves. That's why I create. That's why the Boys and Girls Club was so important to me because my, a lot of my friends went to college based on things that they they did at the Boys and Girls Club. They had access to things. I want parents to be able to go back and get their degree so that they can show their kids like, look, I got my degree. This is what you can do. You can go out and learn a trade. You can. Get that. And like I said, not everybody's saying let's go four years at Harvard, but we're saying that look, there's a lot of colleges. There's uh, community colleges. There's, you know, online schooling. There's so many different ways to where you can go create a career for yourself. 
if you're not good at sports, that's fine. Sports is a, sports is an anomaly. Athletes are anomalies. We're we're not part of that. We're part of the one percent. If you were able to make it and then able to be financially stable from it, but the majority of athletes are not part of the one percent or ten percent of anything. You are just a, an anomaly. The majority of you guys need to go and get your education. You got a better chance of becoming a doctor. And I think that that matters. You're talking about education and it's not even just at the at the highest of the high. There are trades like there are real careers out here because, you know, school isn't for everyone. Like we have to be honest about that at some point. But there are careers out here that exist where, you know, you can use your skills, you can use your hands and you can make a nice exactly for yourself. But But we in this era now where people, you know, oh, I don't work the sexiest job. So, you know, I don't want to I don't want to do it. They don't pay enough. I don't want, what's paying enough is paying your bills and paying your car note and having gas in your tank and food in your table. That's called rich to me. Now surplus is different. Like if you're able to do all that and have surplus and be able to do all that, but that that's, that's all fine. Any, but to me, rich is having all your bills paid food on the table and you on your couch after, after work it's seven o'clock watching your sports team with a beer. That's, that's called rich. I mean, I, 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 I never looked at people that are rich that ain't happy. <laughs> I know a lot of people that are rich that are not happy solely because, oh, I got all this money, but then they got then they got this cousin and that cousin, this aunt. They ain't met this side of the family, but now they all involved with you, and like that just creates a rift. And like I know, I'm sure you do too. Plenty of people that got more money than we do, and ain't happy. But then you know people that ain't got that much money and is happy as hell. Money isn't everything, man, and it's crazy. Money's like, not everything. But you, you'll money hear the good, common thing that, like, money is great. I would never be one to say, like, oh, it's, it's like, because money does eliminate, eliminate a lot of stress. Like, when you know where you're mm-hmm. going to live, when you're going to stay. But to me, I say it all the time, like, my definition of success has always just been stability. Knowing where you're going to stay, knowing that you're going to have a food over your uh, you know, a roof over your head, knowing that you're gonna have food to eat, knowing that you're gonna have a car to drive, like that's success to me. So the Man, jan- the janitor I, is just as capable of that as Bill Gates. One hundred percent. You know, that's and, how it and, is for me. And the janitor, his kids might not get teased at school, opposed to Bill Gates' kids might get teased at school. Oh, you the rich kid. Oh, you the, like you know what I mean? Amongst a bunch of other rich kids. Oh, you the rich, rich kid. You know what I mean? What if he doesn't what if he goes into some sort of depression or sort of uh of self doubt? You know what I mean? Opposed to you got the kid who, like I said, the firefighter or the the, the dad is, you know, runs, works for the sanitation department, which has a great pension, by the way, runs into them. And, you know, he's living a normal, happy ass life. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Just I was just thinking about all of that, man. And I want to go back to something that you mentioned. You know, you mentioned about baseball being a predominantly white sport. Like, was there ever a time where you didn't feel comfortable using your voice? Sometimes I've always been like, dang, did I really say that? But at the same time, if I said it, I probably meant it. And sometimes we always, we speak on emotion. Sometimes we're emotional when we speak. But at the same time, it's, it's like, I probably meant it because that's how I felt. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to shave nothing back on the things that I've said about anything because that it's my truth. Everybody, like, again... Is it is it is it that is it how the next person feels? Maybe not, but at the same time, not, did I grow up like that person? No. Did I grow up like the next person? No. I grew up how I grew up, so my truth is going to be completely different than their truth. And do they like that? No, because if it's not your norm, 
you, in America, you're probably not going to like it if it's not your norm. You know what I mean? Like, my norm is not your norm. So, oh, I don't like that. Well, hey, sorry. I Actually, I'm not sorry because my norm is my norm. And if you don't like it, I give two shits because this is how I grew up. This is what raised me. This is how I've been raised. And you've been raised a completely different way with your with your household and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm not questioning how you grew up. But again, we're athletes. So every single thing we do and put out is on a microscope. And, you know, it's always dissected and all that kind of stuff. It's like, look, at this is how I grew up, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You want to think that what you what you think athletes should be should be bullshit. You're not an athlete. How do you know? That's why one of my boys, you play with him, Chris Long. Yeah. That's my boy. <laughs> he, I, he got the black card. I don't. Like, I don't give many people the black card. That's white. He got. He got. He got the black card. It ain't because of tattoos. It's because he he understands and he speaks on what he sees that's wrong. He understands what's wrong is wrong and what's right is right. That's humanity. That's the best way to put it, though. I think when you put it in those terms, like you you're able to remove, you know, other things out of maybe even bias out of it if you just. Viewing things for, for what you see. Um, you, you, he removes the bias and he's just like, look, it, this is wrong and that's right. Like, clear as day. Don't don't give me an excuse behind, oh, well, when you say, oh, well, this, and, and like, that's just, you, you're formulating an excuse and a reason for this to fit your narrative. He doesn't, he doesn't sugarcoat nothing. He's like, that's wrong and that's right. Do you feel like you have more responsibility, like, as an African-American athlete? And I'm asking that because I was watching The Last Dance with Jordan. And, you know, he was talking about, you know, basically he's not your hero. Like, he's not your role model. He kind of goes about things his his way, which I respect. But I feel like there are certain things as an athlete, when you put in that position, it's like, you know, you're there are certain things that you're still going to experience. There's certain things that your family back home is still experiencing. Um, and I've and I seen your, I seen your tweets boy. about it. You think LeBron, you think LeBron is is the GOAT opposed to Jordan. And I see both sides of what you're trying to say of that because LeBron is not afraid to say anything towards towards that. He grew up in a single yeah, single mama, you know, who did who sacrificed every single thing. Jordan grew up in both households. I mean he had he had the mom and the daddy. But at the same time, they're completely different eras. I think if Jordan played in this era, I think he would have a lot more to say. Because we don't we don't say nothing like we don't say nothing about magic. We don't say nothing about Isaiah. We don't say nothing about a lot of other influential African Americans at that time. We just use Jordan as that because, because he obviously mm-hmm. he was the biggest star at the time. Of course, I mean mm-hmm. the, Jordan was. I mean is an absolute legend. And LeBron, I think, has used his celebrity has used his platform better than any athlete besides Muhammad Ali in the history of sports. And obviously Jim Brown's up there, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's up there. But I think what the, when it comes to the era and obviously his reach is to hundreds of millions of people and he's worldwide, he's global also. Mm. There's no one that is, I think, has ever done and said the thing. He called the president a bum. <laughs> like, no one's, no one's going to say that. I'm not going to say that. Like, I, I'm just not going to say that. Like, And he's like, the guy's a bum. And yeah, obviously LeBron is approaching a billion dollars. So, you know what? He, he can call the guy a bum. If he wants to, but his beliefs are his beliefs and he's not wrong for him because he's done his due diligence. And let's not act like LeBron doesn't have his damn own, 
uh, team around him of like his board of directors around himself that is, you know, not like, that is telling him like these are the facts, these right. are this. And what LeBron has been able to accomplish is, I mean, his school, you know, what he does with fans. Like, he makes any kid black, white, indifferent. He gives his shoes away. He makes their day by doing that. Like, his, his, his reach is just so grand. And what he's done with himself and done with his family um, and just, you know, how he's just created a conglomerate around himself, I don't think they're in, in this day and era – I don't think there'll ever be a LeBron. Yeah. I mean, like, and he there, does it. There'll never be a Jordan. No, never. There'll never be a Jordan. Never be there'll a never Jordan. be a Jordan. But Jordan is pre-social media. Mm-hmm. There was Black Planet that was out at the end of Jordan's <laughs> career. Okay, if you if anybody remembers Black Planet, that that was all that was out at Jordan at the, at the end of Jordan's career. But LeBron, within his social media era, has done has done and ex- far exceeded everything that you've ever put on him. I feel like LeBron like has never shied away from the responsibility. And the reason why I have more respect for athletes, especially African-American athletes, is that oftentimes you know people or you come from certain type of environments. So, for example, you know, I grew up the way I grew up. So when I walk into the Baltimore City schools and you see kids dealing with things, you know, whether it's drugs, whether it's abuse, whether it's whatever, like, it's relatable because either I went through it or I know someone who has. Like, I've seen it. So you can't go in there and act like everything is just okay. And then I go to a school in Howard County and I see the nicest buildings. They have computers. They have resources. You walk in other schools, they don't have computers. Their bathrooms smell like straight urine and the water, you can't drink. I mean, you can't see these things and act like it doesn't exist. And when it talks about you know, really like police brutality or any type of nonsense violence where, you know, it may have been a person of color or officers or whatever. Like when you know what it's like, like there's a real fear and you have to speak on it. Um, I think of I love and I've always been that way and I've always been very vocal about um, police and community relations and the the bias and negative things that exist, but also like the heroes that do, you know, dress up in blue. There are a lot of amazing police officers out here. Hundred percent. Um, but you know, I speak on it because people feel like because you're an athlete, you're removed from bullshit. The real bullshit. World. We're not a room. You know what I mean? Like it, like it doesn't happen to you. And I tell people like, man, look, I've had guns drawn on me three different times by police officers. So what if I made a false move or what if they perceive me as a threat or what if something, you know what I mean? Like anything could have happened. So you can't really question how a person got into a situation. Like I've never drank, I've never smoked. So like, I'm not, I haven't been in an environment to whereas like you would typically think, Oh, this person, I'm not breaking and kicking in people's doors. I'm not doing anything. You know, young man just got killed running through his neighborhood. You know what I mean? And we're, talk- then, and we're then, talking about his, his criminal record that he did six years ago. <laughs> exactly. But then yeah. they took another kid who shot up nine kids. They took him to have, uh, you know, how you want it at Burger King. I, I mean, it's just but, but when you But when you speak on that, people are like, oh, well, they always want to bring up the past or something. Okay, look, it. if I did something yesterday, you can't, you can't, if I, if I did something years ago, just because I did it years ago, doesn't mean I'm, I'm a, you're holding me for this today. Like that's just not how it works. Like the 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 dude. Okay, he got arrested. He got a rap sheet from years ago when he was nineteen, fresh out of high school. 
I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, a lot of people fresh out of high school thinking they the ish, you know, hey, sometimes money's tight. You're doing what you got to do, which is not an excuse by any means. But the dude's 25 years old just going for a jog and he's going for a jog in the wrong neighborhood. Like, hey, I went on drives and bike rides and run, and, and jogs in, in, in all in majority white neighborhoods myself. Should I feel uncomfortable? You know what I mean? I've been on elevators where it, at nice five star hotels where, you know, you've had ladies clutch their purse. Oh, hey, sure. lady, I'm in the hey, lady, I'm in the suite upstairs. The fuck you talking about? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, hey, I'm, I'm not worried about your little funky ass Kate Spade purse. R.I.P. Kate Spade. That's a, that, you know, but, you know, being black is hard, man. And people don't want to realize that shit. People just think that, oh, well, no, no, don't 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 think for us. You know, and we talked about it earlier. White folks tell black people how to act, but you can't. But black people cannot tell white folks how to act. Like you gonna tell me how to react to something? Well, shit. Let's switch. Let's switch roles, and let's see how you react to this. You know, again, you see, you know, and it goes Republican, Democrat, whatever the hell party you are. If you got a problem with Colin, with Colin Kaepernick, but you don't have a problem with you know with AK forty sevens and all that shit, and I get the Second Amendment is great. Right to bear arms. I get it. I completely get it. I We all got guns, okay? We all got guns. I get it. But if a black man did that shit, what's going to happen to him? Just just answer me that question. And whoever, and to all your listeners, just answer me that question. Well, black Strip, folks like, did, no, and, they, and, they changed, did. and they changed the law. I mean, <laughs> the Black I mean, Panther Party did that. The Black, Pan- the black that. Panthers, oh, all the way gone. But just just answer me that question. Like, you mm-hmm. stormed the, the Capitol in, in, in Michigan? I get it. You don't like the laws. You don't agree with what's going on because we're in a, a, a global pandemic. 100% agree with that. Trust me, people are antsy. People want to get out. People want to work. People want to provide. I got family members. I got cousins and friends going through the same thing that everybody else in the world is going through. But at the same time, if African-Americans did that same thing, and I'm talking about in droves, what would happen? It wouldn't be fun for people not to really understand that race plays a game in it it's ignorant and they just haven't faced it i want to kind of take it back a little bit i i remember i was in san francisco at the time and i literally was leaving the hyatt and i saw like a peaceful protest coming on by as i was waiting for my uber and i was seeing signs and you know it ended up being a peaceful protest that people don't talk about anymore after Freddie Gray, you know, died at the hands of the police officers in their custody. Well, by the time I landed in San Francisco, you know, Baltimore was burning down. There was riots. There was all kinds of stuff going on. And I remember during that time, you know, y'all were playing in empty stadiums and you were a major voice for the city and the sports world, um, specifically Baltimore during that time. How was that experience? Well, (laughs) it 100% wasn't fun. Because, you know, me not understanding completely of the of the severity of what happened, me not uh, knowing the community that well in terms of, uh, you know, the West Side, East Side, the cliques and the gangs and, you know, just things that are going on. You know, obviously, again, I lived, I lived in a bubble for so long. As athletes, we lived in a bubble. We live in a bubble. We don't have to face... Uh, the daily, uh, the daily things, transgressions that go on in any in any city, 
And, you know, me, I just felt that as a black man who has seen and have understood things that have happened to the black community, either to my family, to friends, to friends, friends, cousins uh, that have happened either in San Diego or various parts of, uh, of the city. I just felt that, you know, especially as a black voice of the team, of the organization, that, you know, it was my responsibility to speak up. And uh, Buck had my back on it, which was great. And the players did also. They, they, they were, they, they, my teammates had my back big time on it. And they were like, this sucks. You know, I get, I get it that, you know, he can be either he committed a crime or has committed a crimes. We get it. He got a rap sheet. We get all that. We get, we get, he might have, you know, he's trouble passed. We completely comply and agree with that. But just the way that it was handled and the kid lost his life. Was he a saint? No. Was he a human being? Yes. And, you know, that's the part that sticks with me is that, you know, especially over my lifetime, I grew up in, in 2000, I think 2000, 2001, a kid shot up Santee High School and he got to live. He shot up a school. Um, you got Columbine. You got the kid that shot up um, the school in, I mean, the church. You got, I mean, movie just in, in those endless, endless. movie theaters. These are the worst things. And a majority of them got to live. They got to face justice, which is the, if you commit a crime, you should face justice. Now, if you're in a shootout, you, I mean, sometimes there's, I mean, there's casualties and shootouts. That wasn't a shootout. So he should have faced justice opposed to being, uh, being the way he, the way he had to die. He should just have faced, just like majority of criminals, you face the justice system and whatever they give, whatever the justice system gives you, is it always fair? No. But you got an opportunity to say what you had to say. Did I have to listen to you? Hell no, they ain't gonna listen to you. They're going to give you what they're going to give you. But to be in that situation and have to die from that situation, to me, that's not right. I want to ask you one more question before we get out of here, man. What would be your advice to a young athlete that is trying to figure out their way or their lane to impact their community? Biggest piece of advice I think I can get is, is be true to yourself. You know, where you grew up is where you grew up. You, you, you've, you're never going to forget where you grew up and don't try and escape where you grew up. That is what molded you. That is what created you. That's the reason why you are where you are is because the people, the real people that support you are the, are the ones that helped you get to this point. That's the, where you grew up. Those are the ones that pushed you beyond your limits. Those are the ones that have supported you through failures when you didn't think you can do it. Those are the ones. Now, when you come into the sport, Anybody just drafted the NFL draft, the MLB draft, the NBA draft. These are all new people to you. Now they're your, now they're your supporters. Now they're not. Your, they weren't your supporters when you were 14, 15, 16, 17, when you went to college. They were not your supporters. They didn't know who the hell you were. Now they know who you are, and now they're going to support you. But never forget where you came from and the people that have sacrificed for you. And that's with, with me, I got a small group of people that sacrificed for me and I never forget it. You know, like I said, I appreciate what Baltimore's done and the supporters, but also I know the real supporters when it, when push comes to shove, who really supported me when I was struggling, 
who supported me, who gave me those phone calls, who wrote me positive messages mm. when you're when you're going through situations that aren't accustomed to success. Those that's when they, that's when you realize who's supporting you. And to all these young athletes, that that's my biggest message. Never forget where you came from, because that's what molded you. That's what made you who you are. I'd say, and I think that's great advice, bro. And it's real. I'd, I'd say, you know, from my perspective, just be yourself. As a young athlete, whether you're high school, college, pros, like people are going to try to force you to do things or try to point you in a direction. I feel like it's satisfying when it's something that you truly care about. Like, don't just do things because you're supposed to do it. Like, do it because it's real and it's authentic to you. Uh, figure out what you like. You know, if your mission is social justice and and race issues in America, then go towards that. Educate yourself. Learn about it. If it's mental health, um, suicides, learn about it. Educate yourself. If it's, if it's the digital divide and lack of technology in certain areas, like educate yourself. Tell people about it. You know, the beautiful thing about being in, in the position that you're in as a young athlete is that you do have influence. You know, I remember being a For high sure. school kid reading to the elementary school kids. Like, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what your town is. It uh, doesn't matter if you're an athlete or not, honestly. We all have the ability to create an impact and change this world for the better. So uh, make sure you just do your part and um, know that it's a process, too. You know, no one has all the answers. So just make sure you're playing your role and trying to do your part. And honestly, that's all you can do. But, Adam, I appreciate you, bro, for coming on here, man, and tuning all the way in from Japan. Late night for you, early morning for me. I appreciate your time, man, and best of luck. Y'all stay safe out there. Appreciate it. I've heard pots and pans being banged around your around your your park, so I know it's time for breakfast. Oh my god, some waffles. These kids are ready to go, <laughs> man. <laughs> Y'all be safe, man. Good night out there. Peace. Now it's time for Tori's take, the part of the show where I give you my unfiltered opinion on what's going on and trending in my world. Man, I want to say thank you to my boy Adam for stopping by the show. Always grateful for him and his conversation. As you guys can see, he's full of energy, his vibe, that Cali vibe, laid back, just real chill, man. But when he, he gets fired up about some things, it's always a, a great conversation. And I appreciate him giving his time. But now it's time to my therapy, my favorite part of the show, just Tori's take. And it's personal to me because, obviously, as a former professional athlete, there was a lot of responsibility that's placed on your shoulders, and I honestly felt like I did an okay job of handling it. But everyone doesn't handle it the same way. And you know what? That's okay, because we're all humans. And I'm not saying that to take the pressure off of them, because I feel like to whom much is given, much is required. Like, you, sh- you're in this position... You should carry more responsibility. You should carry yourself a certain way. But with that being said, heroes don't have to look a certain way. All right? People that you look up to don't have to have these extreme titles. And what do I mean by that? The people who I looked up to the most, none of y'all know their names. Unless you're from where I'm from. I think about Coach Steve Swope down at Colonial Beach. But kind of showing me the ropes, watching him with his family, seeing the way they moved and how much he meant to the people in our town by putting on camps, by opening the gym. 
having an influence that way, coaching, teaching. I think about Greg Daniels. He's not a principal at Colonial Forge High School, but watching the way he was with his family, the way he was with me, teaching me the game, teaching me how to be a man, talking about things that went so far beyond the basketball court or the football field. I think about Coach JP. You know, he's have a great time fishing and I always beat him by one. <laughs> and the time that we were able to spend together, just conversations. You know, I can go down the list of all my coaches, Coleman, Brian, Spice. I mean, so many coaches. And Miss Williams, my guidance counselor from seventh grade, who all I would do was go to her office and ask for a Kit Kat all the time. And she would give it to me, but she would always talk to me. And I went on to college and on to the NFL, and I still received Kit Kats in the mail from Miss Williams. Her impact on my life, I can't even put it into words, but it's from simple gestures and from simple things. Those men and women, my mother and my grandmother included, are heroes, are role models are people who I have a lot of respect for and they never put on a jersey. And I'm saying that to remind you or to tell you, to let you know that the power and the influence that you have may go far beyond what you even realize. Because the best moments that I had with my heroes was never about money. It was never about what they could do for me. It was about the time and the fact that they cared. And we're all capable of giving our time and having the ability to show people that we care. So I hope that challenges you and motivates you to want to go out and to see how you can be better. See how you can make an impact on others. See how you can be a better role model. Because I for sure have to be a better role model as well. I'm not perfect by any means. And I don't even try to be. That's not even something I want. But I know I can do better. And Chanel for sure is on my head all the time about things that I can do better on and I'm going to work at it. But I hope that y'all understand that you are capable of impacting others and you can be the difference in literally saving a life. You could be the difference in a young man or woman staying in line and being the next president of the United States. You can by yourself. Your voice, your impact has that same magnitude of a Michael Jordan of a LeBron James, of a whoever, to the person that you're dealing with. And I'm saying that really because I know we are we live in a time period where we get caught up in what we see. You know, we put athletes and entertainers on pedestals when everyone's just human. Everyone puts their pants on the same way. And yeah, it's cool when you see how someone's living or what they have or what kind of cool things they're doing. Like, I'm not going to say that's not the case, but... No one's any more special than you are. No one's words are any better than yours are. We're all capable of doing more and being more and being better. So I hope that that challenges y'all to step out of your comfort zone, if you haven't already, to go out and try to challenge yourself on being better for someone else. Reach out. Try to be a better remote model for someone else. And you never know how it may impact them or their life. Because I know for sure... If it wasn't for them and the countless other men and women who I've come across in my life that are heroes to me from Virginia 
to Pipestone, Minnesota, to Fredericksburg, to wherever we were, that were heroes to me. And we're all capable of that. See y'all next week. I'm looking forward to the next show. Make sure y'all like, subscribe, all that cool stuff I'm supposed to say. Catch y'all next week.